0: Why in the world would you own bonds when the bond market offers ridiculously low yields? Well, Ray Dalio asked this question back in March and gave a really detailed view as to why. Today's video goes into what this is, breaks it down into really simple and clear language so you can understand too. hi guys my name is James Corsier and welcome to the money paradox podcast where we're all about helping you become financially free so that you can focus on what you really want from life so back in March Ray Dalio is effectively saying do not buy bonds and in fact he's been saying this for a very long time back in early 2020 he was famous for saying you would be crazy to own bonds so Why is everybody still owning it? And let's really understand why he's such strong on this view and really get underneath it. Ray Dalio is incredibly smart. A lot of people, in fact, the vast majority of people respect his views on these areas, but his articles are tough to crack and understand. So today's video, goes into the key reasons why he thinks this in a really simple and easy to understand way. Guys, if you've got any comments, please do put it in the the show notes. I really value your input as well. If you don't agree with something we've got here, please let me know too. And please give me a like if you love this video and you wanna see more. It really helps with the algorithm. So here, guys, we've got the US government bonds, treasury bills. And effectively, the yields on these bonds are super low. Even when we're talking about 30-year bonds, the yield is just over 2%. That is super low. Well, what does this mean? Firstly, a bond is just simply a loan. And here, it's a loan to the government. And your yield is effectively your return on that bond from owning that bond. So a 2% yield is kind of like a 2% interest rate in a very simple way. So why on earth are people buying these things when they're such low rates? Well, we'll come on to that soon. But the next thing I wanna show you is the real yield. At the moment in the US, inflation rate is 2.6%. So when we subtract that from the nominal yield, that second column, we're getting the real yield. And what that means is it's effectively, it's like our real return. So if we're getting a 1% yield, but inflation is 2%, then net, our overall return is minus 1%. Because every year, if inflation is 2.6% here, then it is devaluing by 2% each year. Your dollars are worth less. So here you can see, the real yield in all circumstances even at the 30 year level is still negative crazy and a 30 year bond just simply means that the term of it is 30 years long so you're lending money to the us government for 30 years and you're making a negative real return this just seems mental and this really is at the core of why Ray Dalio is so strong on saying bonds are rubbish do not hold them in fact he is even making the case of shorting bonds and we'll come on later as to what that means in more detail so guys this isn't just in the us many developed countries are doing similar things they're pushing their interest rates to very low levels so the real yield. these countries in fact the nominal yields in some of these countries like Europe uh, are negative and so you're just not making much from them in fact you're losing money by holding them so does that mean we're guaranteed to lose money no there are many ways in which actually you could still make money by owning bonds bonds is a not well understood area the trouble is people often oversimplify it and can make mistakes doing it. So if you think about it guys, if you want to be really safe in your investments and you don't know what to invest in or you want to be super safe, then a common approach is just to hold cash, just keep money in your bank. So even if you're giving a really small return, 0.1 of a percent for example, that's still higher than just having it in cash. And in fact, a lot of Investors, when they talk about cash, they actually refer to government bonds with short time periods, because if you're gonna hold that money in cash, you might as well put it in a government bond for a very short time period and make a small return. So again, that is something that catches out a lot of people. Secondly, at the moment, inflation is 2.6%, right? but inflation could decrease. In fact, it could even become negative, which is what we call deflation. So if you're getting a 1% yield on a bond and inflation becomes negative minus 1%, so negative 1%, sorry guys, then the real rate of return or the real yield is 2%, okay? Now the question then is, is that likely? Maybe, maybe not, probably not at the moment, but, it's still a possibility. Another thing is that yields could worsen even more. Guys, bonds have been dropping in their yields since the 80s. It has been phenomenal. Look at this chart, guys. This on the left-hand side is the real bond yield. So that's what I was talking about in terms of including inflation. And then on the right-hand side, we've got the nominal bond yield this goes back over 100 years and what you can see here is the real bond yield and the nominal bond yield is close to zero or in fact actually negative not just in the US but in Europe and Japan record lows over more than 100 years phenomenal this is you know once in a lifetime in fact once in multi people's lifetime situation we have here But the point I'm making around this and why I'm showing you this is that even though they're very low, they could technically still go lower. How much lower? Probably not very much, but you can get them into negative territory, just like we've seen in Europe. And that's what's been happening in the last few years. It's been going down and down and down. And say, a year ago, if you'd, well, sorry, maybe more like two years ago, bond, Yields were very low already. But if you'd invested in say long-term bonds, because they went even lower and lower and that was contrary to what people were expecting, you were actually making really good money on investing in those bonds, even though they were already low. So guys, just because yields are really low at the moment isn't a guarantee that by owning them you're going to lose money it just means that the pressure in that situation for you to lose money in certain circumstances like them going up is higher right but it's not a guarantee so key thing to bear in mind as well is it's not just about the yield you're getting so if yields go up in the future right what happens Is that the bond that you own goes down in value the reason is because the bond you own has a lower yield than these new shiny bonds that the government are bringing out so what do people want well they want the new bonds because they have a higher yield relative to yours so the only way you can compete and sell your bond over others is by selling it for a cheaper price so You can make or lose money in bonds, not just on the yields itself, the return you get for holding the bond, but actually the value of the bond itself. That can go up or down. And when we're looking at long-term bonds, that fluctuation in the value of these bonds can be huge. It's not always a nice, smooth, flat curve. With the short-term bonds, it is because of the way they're constructed. So with all of these risks by owning bonds, why are people still holding them? Well, we've touched on a few examples already, like short-term bonds, even if yields go up in the future, then it doesn't really impact it because they're so short. If yields go up in a year's time and your bond term is less than a year, it's not gonna impact it, right? Secondly, it is still a return relative to cash if you're making 0.1% and cash is zero then you're going to hold that you'll want to hold it because you're still making something also maybe you can't invest in riskier assets like stocks or bonds from companies that could go bankrupt or cryptocurrency and things like that maybe you have to invest in things that are super safe like a pension fund they can't be using that money for speculative investing. So they've got to put their money somewhere and if they're concerned about the stock market or they don't want to have everything in the stock market then they can diversify into something like bonds. Equally bonds are inversely correlated to the stock market. So inversely correlated just simply means when one thing goes up another thing goes down. The trouble though is this is a weak correlation. It does happen sometimes, but not all the time. And the idea is that if the stock market is going down, the bond market will go up and vice versa. So what that does is it smooths out your return curve. Instead of this wild ride, right? It smooths it out. In addition, it allows you to rebalance. So if you own two different assets like stocks and bonds, If one goes down like the stock market, what you can do is you can sell some euro bonds and buy into the stock market and it allows you to buy low and sell high. Whereas if you didn't have that and you just had one asset class, you can't do that, right? Because there's nothing to buy, there's nothing to sell to buy more. Or at the top, if something's very high in value in your portfolio relative to something else, there's nothing to buy if you were to sell that other asset. So why are we in this situation? Well, obviously a year ago, we had a crazy pandemic. The central banks around the world, certainly including the US government and many other countries, their main aim is to keep the economy good and a year ago when this pandemic hit the economy took a massive hit so what do they do they step in to stimulate the economy to make sure it doesn't crash typically they would do that by lowering interest rates and they did in the us they were already low but they dropped them even further but the trouble is They've been dropping interest rates since the 80s and so it can only go so far. After a while as you go further and further it becomes less effective. So they then moved on to the second type of monetary policy. Monetary policy just means an approach that central banks do and that is to print money. And they do that because by printing the money they can go out and buy assets, including those government bonds themselves. By doing that, that increases the demand of those in the economy and keeps those interests even lower and stimulates the economy as well. But even that has been going on for a number of years and is less effective. So they went to their third type of monetary policy which is effectively what is known as helicopter money. And that's where you print money and you put it directly in to the people that are in the economy so that they can spend it. Because after a while, just simply by printing money and buying assets doesn't even work that well. And so that's where the stimulus checks came out and everybody was receiving money in the bows just for free. And I still remember, Back in the day when I learned economics at university, I remember learning about this and it was taught like one of those things that could happen but never really happens because it's so extreme and we are living in that. And the funny thing is, people don't realise, I think generally, how extreme that is. The amount of printing and directly injected into the economy It's just massive. We're talking trillions of dollars. And this is not just happening in the US, it's happening in other countries. And because of this slow drop in the interest rates in the last, what, 30 years, has meant that the government bonds has had an absolute bull run. Long-term government bonds over that period has been about eight and a half percent annualized return that means you're on average you're making eight and a half percent a year in government bonds that's insane well how are you getting those returns when the yields are so low you're getting it because yields are dropping therefore the value of those bonds that you already own are becoming more expensive so you can sell them for a higher price you're making it on the capital appreciation of those bonds so what happens next We've got record low interest rates. We've got crazy amounts of printing of money and even that money being injected directly into the economy, into the people's hands, into the government's spending so that they can fund increased, even more spending within the economy. Where do we go from that? Well, it's simple economics. You've got increasing supply of money and you've also got decreasing demand because as this continues with low interest rates other governments, other bonds that have a higher rate of return start to look more attractive other safe havens start to look more attractive because as you start to think this money's getting ridiculous there's so much money being printed can they really pay this off, what's the implication of that people start to think, you know what? Why didn't I put it in something else that's considered safe? Why didn't I put it in gold? Why didn't I put it in cryptocurrency? Why didn't I put it in bonds in other countries or in other currencies? So that increase in supply and decrease in demand effectively starts to put pressure on the system. So there's two scenarios that can happen. Either one, interest rates rise to calm the system down. The trouble with that is that is increasing yield and reduces the price of bonds. So anyone holding bonds is going to get hit really hard. Also, the increase of yields or uh, the interest rate, government interest rates, pushing that up means that borrowing is more expensive and saving is better. So that then means that companies find it more costly to borrow, to create and expand their businesses and therefore it cools the economy. Or scenario two where we're printing even more money and that has to be done to maintain the level of demand to meet the supply that's being produced. So if you're not dealing with the demand in another way, you've just simply got to serve it yourself. But what happens then is that that reflationary; is re-inflationary, i.e. inflation goes up. You're devaluing your currency because there's more of your currency out there. So what happens if you're holding that currency like the dollar or the pound or the euro or the yen, then the value of that drops. And so the money, your wealth, drops in value. So people naturally don't want that and will want to flee to other areas where they're not seeing that devaluation in their wealth. But then what happens then if people want to start moving their money out of these assets, like bonds, like the dollar, because they're seeing that devaluation? Well, there'll be a run on the banks pretty serious and Ray Dalio makes this very clear and it's a very compelling point. But the trouble is that there are so many government bonds. We're talking 75 trillion dollars. Like that is a big number. I would just encourage you just to look at how many zeros we're talking about, right? That's not million, that's not billion, that's trillion dollars. There is not that money out there. So people want to start taking that money out. The government has got to print even more and more money just to give people that money that they're due. So what happens then? You get even more devaluation in the currency and it starts to become a self-fulfilling prophecy. So then what happens? Well, people are trying to flee that currency, right? So where do they go? They go to safe havens. They go to gold. So they're printing all of this money. But not only that, because they just simply don't have the money to do this, people start to look for debt restructuring. So we're not talking about government bonds, just we're talking about corporate bonds, companies as well. They start to work out ways to deal with the amount of debt they have. Also increasing taxes so that they can recover money to start to cover these debts. You also tend to see restrictions going into place because as people are scared of the devaluation of bonds and the currency, they want to move out of that currency, they want to move to other currencies, they want to move to safe havens that don't inflate like a currency. So gold is a good example, more recently, cryptocurrency. So what governments tend to do is they start to put uh, barriers in place to prevent you from doing that. And if you talk about that now, people will laugh at you saying that's crazy, governments wouldn't do that, that's so hardcore. But trust me, this stuff happens and it happens very quickly when it comes into play. And it's happened many times in the past. The trouble is, it hasn't happened in our recent lifetime. So our memories are very short term. We only really remember what's happened in the last few years and certainly only really what's happened in our lifetime. But what about the lifetime before us or the lifetime before that well these things have happened a lot and especially in other countries and as you put these restrictions in place and you're getting devaluation of the currency and people's wealth going down we get civil unrest people start to get crazy they kick off they're not happy and it all starts to build into a really ugly picture now Ray Dalio talks about beautiful deleveraging versus ugly deleveraging and essentially that is the difference between reducing that debt in a really clean and effective way that allows people to clear those debts without big negative impacts or ugly because if you're getting a lot of fighting, a lot of resistance to it and it's being done in a way where many people are being hugely impacted in their personal life then it starts to look very ugly so what indicators can we look to to see whether this is starting to show its face well there's two the first is when governments sorry not governments central banks are continuing to or increasing the amount of printing of money even in strong economies because that wouldn't make sense on its own. Why would you print money in a good economy? Well, you're doing it because you're trying to deal with other issues like the repayment of those loans or dealing with avoiding having to increase the interest rates because you know what that's going to do, the wider impact of that. Or second, you start to see central banks increasing how much printing of money or monetary policy they're doing. And the impact of it is becoming less and less and less. And he calls this something... The name he gives this is pushing on a string because the more you push, the less really it's doing. It's like there's very little result in it or impact. You start having to be more and more aggressive to get the same kind of result. Just like taking a drug. The more you take, the more tolerance you get, and the more you have to take to get that same high and the more side effects you get, right? So you're getting less of a benefit from that drug, but you're getting even more side effects because you're taking more of it. In fact, that's a pretty great analogy because printing money is a really attractive idea. It's a very easy way to solve problems. You need to stimulate the economy, print money. You haven't got enough money to cover what you want to do in your government spending, print money. You want to look better politically, print money. It kind of solves most problems. In fact, it solves almost all problems, but in the short to medium term. And the trouble is, if you start to see it as this amazing thing that solves all problems, well, you start to rely on it more more and more, you start to use it more. And the trouble with that, it starts to become less effective. So you use it more and more and you increase how much you do it. The trouble is though, as you can see, you start to then get addicted to it, just like a drug, and we know where that goes. So which option are central banks going to pick? Are they going to allow interest rates to go up or are they just going to simply print more money? Well, we don't know, but Ray Dalio says Usually they pick the latter because it's just easier, it looks better and the negative impact of that devaluation of the currency is less obvious. It's more subtle in terms of the negative impact on people. And the debt that these governments have, these central banks have become almost paid off just from the devaluation of the currency itself. On the other hand, the alternative, like putting up taxes, higher interest rates, creates a lot of pain and politically it's not very palatable. So they don't like to do it. And often when they put up taxes, like they have recently, a lot of the times it's more a signal. It's just to look like they're moving in the right direction, really, but not actually making a huge amount. it so what do we do the world's ending it's all awful bonds are terrible what do we invest in if we can't invest in bonds well that is a very good question and I'll be bringing out a video next week on that exact topic I'll be talking about all of the things Ray Dalio recommends I'll be putting up my views and other investors as well so definitely stay tuned for that and hit that subscribe button so that you'll get notified when that video comes out. If you've enjoyed this video guys, please do like it. It really helps with the algorithm and feel free to leave a comment. Let me know what you think. If you've got a different view, you want me to bring out some specific topics in the future on videos, I would love to. Guys, that's all from me. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.